John's coming up here to read to you the scripture today, and it comes to us from um, the book of Esther. How many of you have a working knowledge of the story of Esther? Go ahead and okay, good. More than I might have guessed. That's great. Um, I was told earlier today that it was made into a movie. I don't know about that. I was told that it also is in Veggie Tales. If you want the definitive version of the story of Esther. The story of Esther finds itself with the Jews in exile. The nation has been defeated and they have been scattered to various parts of the then known world to to make sure that they could not uh, cause problems for their captors. And they had to learn how to live in exile without power to raise the theological crisis of how do you live without being able to go worship your God at temple and also just how to survive. And in the story of Esther, we hear the story of uh, Mordecai, who is a, a Jewish man who um, has a, a, a niece who we know as Esther. And as we hear the story, uh, Esther, uh, first of all, finds her way into um, the service of the king as a concubine, and then she becomes queen. And then from that position of power... <clears throat> She's forced with a very critical decision point where she discovers that the king plans on destroying the Jews in his, under his uh, reign, and she has to decide what she must do to save her people. Mordecai, her uncle, comes to give her some advice, and that's really where John picks up the passage today, is in this dialogue of Mordecai sharing this with um, Esther. Hathach went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathach, gave him a message for Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come to the king for the last 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another quarter. But you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for such a time as this. Then Esther, in reply to Mordecai, said, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. And after that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, John. Now I invite you to join with me in a word of prayer. Gracious and loving God, we ask for discernment the Spirit, to be able to seek out and discover what it is you desire and what you need and what you're asking of us. 
in this time together in worship. Above all, let us become clear about your calling for our lives, about the places and ways in which we can stand and be your people for your glory and to the benefit of all. Stir within us that which we need to have stirred, that we might live according to the faith that you have given to us. We pray all this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Who knows? Maybe you were made for such a time as this. The story of Esther is told against the backdrop of the exile. The Jews had been defeated and humiliated and were basically trying to find all kinds of ways to survive and make sense of their life when everything else had been destroyed and overturned. They were in places where they had no power, where they needed to use cunning and the ability to hold on to each other to get through an uncharted way of living. And in the story that we discover as we read Esther, if we first pick up the book in the Bible and start to read it, we were immediately hit with the overwhelming way in which the culture then maybe seems like different than the culture today. It is extremely a patriarchal society. In other words, it is extremely sexist. Women have no power, have no voice. And if you are a Jewish woman in exile, you have no power or voice. We hear the story of Mordecai taking on this niece as his own, as his daughter, raising her. We have this story of how she's brought into the palace of the king, first offered up as one of the beautiful young virgins of the land. And then once within the service of the king, she finds favor among him, and she becomes queen. And it is from that position of power that she discovers, for a variety of reasons, which you can read the book or get the VeggieTale version, the king has decided to inflict great harm upon the Jewish community, to kill them all. All this, of course, while no one in the palace knew that Esther was Jewish. She's obviously troubled by this news, and Mordecai, her uncle, encourages her to step up and to gain a voice that she would not have been expected to have on her own, that she maybe had never in her life knew she would have to have or knew she could have. To do something that would, in fact, put her life at risk, very likely put her life at risk, to do so with courage so that she could proclaim on behalf of her people that they might not be destroyed. Now in the story, 
she does, in fact, go to the king to make out her plea that he not kill off the Jews. But notice what happens before she does that. It's the very end of the passage. She says to Mordecai, yeah, okay. I'll go ahead and put my life at risk, sure. But before I do that, I need you to do this for me. I need you to go with the rest of the Jews and do three days of fasting. And I'll do it with you. In other words, before she was willing to step into, into the gap, before she was willing to be the person putting her life on the line, she wanted to be supported in prayer. She wanted this decision to be wrapped into the presence and power of God. And when that happens, she then has the courage to make the request to the king. You can pull up Esther and read the rest of the story, but the rest of the story is that, in fact, the king does grant her wish. She becomes a heroine in a series of scriptures that most of us think don't have many female heroes. Well, heroines, actually they do. We just have been so paternalistic in our own culture, we haven't lifted them up very much. But the fact is, a female heroine has some unique role in this cultural tradition we're talking about. But she certainly she was a hero. How many of you have ever daydreamed about being a hero? You are a bunch of liars, or you are asleep. I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to tell you, God's watching you. Ever in your life, have you ever dreamed about being a hero? I mean, I'm talking about, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Have you ever, guys, wanted to be the guy? Throwing the touchdown pass, running in the score, striking out on a 3-2 count in the bottom of the ninth in the World Series. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever daydreamed about that? Tell me I'm not the only guy who sat during sermons and daydreamed about such things. (laughs) All kinds of ways we can be heroes and heroines. And it's not uncommon for us as, our, as, our ch- as children or into our adulthood to wish that we could be the one to step in the gap and be the hero. Anybody here ever dreamed about winning the lottery and paying off the debt for the church? Anybody, please tell me, tell me you prayed that. Yes, I know that's right. See, you have wanted to be the hero, and God, I pray that one of you will be as quickly as possible. We all do it. So why is it that in this world we have so many gaps that people are reluctant to step into? We daydream about it. We wonder about it. But when it comes down right to it, how is it possible for us to move from our daydreaming to the reality of being the people who are willing to stand in the gap? In the movie Darkest Hours, we see a very short time in Winston Churchill's life. He becomes prime minister in the very earliest part of May 1940, right at the same time in which Germany is running all across Europe. And it seems likely inevitable that the next thing that will happen is that either they will, in fact, Germany will invade England and beat it into submission, or bomb it into submission, or... England will have to enter into peace talks, a peace talks which is predicated upon trusting Adolf Hitler's word. 
Welcome to power, Winston. What are you going to do? Well, I won't break down the whole movie for you, but I will remind you of the fact that Winston is brought into this time, an impossible time, a horrific time, and we watch what he has to go through to be able to lead the people. And we discover that being a hero may not be all that fun. That being the hero in this story meant there was not certainty that victory would come. That even when he was speaking to the, to the English people, his words of confidence that things were going to go okay, he himself was in great despair and fear for what might happen. In leading, he had to dare to even choose to lead to a place where he wasn't sure that it was going to pan out the way he hoped it would. Is that a weakness of Winston Churchill, that he wasn't stronger? Or is it a realization that being a human being standing in the gap will oftentimes push us to the brink of our ability and our energy our strength and our knowledge. There's several things I think we can learn from both the story of Esther and Winston Churchill. Because we're living in a time where there are people who need to step into the gaps. There are just too many gaps in this world. And I just wonder if maybe it isn't possible that those of us in this room might be made for such a time as this. Both Esther and Mordecai realized that before they could step into these gaps, they needed to lean on the people who were around them that they could trust the most. For Winston Churchill, it was Clemmy, his wife. who I loved the depiction of her in the movie. She's the only one who could speak to Winston the way in which she did. She'd been married to this guy for long enough that she knew everything about him, including his failings. But she was the one who whispered into his ear her words of encouragement to him when it mattered the most. Esther had Mordecai, who was there to encourage her to do that, which she probably would never have done on her own. Who is with you on this walk of faith that you're living Who are the people that you turn to who tell you bluntly and honestly the truth about you? Both that which is real and raw and needs to be worked on and that which is your unique gift. We all need a Mordecai. We all need a Clemmy. We all need people around us who will be those people that when we turn to you and say, before I do this, would you pray for me and with me before I go into this venture? Because when you are leading from a place where you have somebody praying with you, the overwhelming loneliness becomes a little bit more bearable. Because I've come to discover that when you step into the gap sometimes, you can feel so naked and so alone. But if you have someone praying for you, you find a courage that you will never find 
without that prayer? Who are your Mordecais? Who are your Clemmies? And who needs you to be that for them? We say, oh, I'll pray for you all the time. But if we say it and back it up with firm, clear action and conviction, it's a power that can change the world. When you lead, when you step into the gap, there comes a moment which you have to act. In watching the movie Churchill, there are times that I felt like his overwhelming odds against him and his fear would have paralyzed most people into inaction. Have you ever been tempted to just want to shut down and hide and run away? But if you're standing in the gap, at some point you have to act. And what I loved about the depiction of Churchill, even though we all know how it turned out, he didn't know how it was going to turn out. He couldn't know that victory was actually going to be possible. He only knew that he was going to declare for victory and work towards it. Standing in the gap does not always mean that you know it's going to work out. It also means you're not going to sit around afraid enough to not do something to move forward. We all stand in a lot of different kinds of gaps. We're all required to do that. Sometimes we stand in the gaps because we're a friend. And our friend needs somebody to stand there with them. Sometimes we do it as a spouse. And while none of you in this room have ever experienced this, I read in a book once where sometimes spouses get locked into battles and someone's got to decide to, to be the one willing to move to the other first. Who's going to step in the gap? I can tell you there's a fact as a father of two daughters, there were times I didn't want to step into the gap. That gappy is scary. And quite frankly, as a father of two daughters, I spent most of my time fairly clueless anyway. But there were times as a parent, there are times as a parent, we have to step into the gap even when our kids hate us for doing it. Because my job right now is not to be loved by my children. My job is to be a parent so they can one day grow up to be hated by their children. <laughs> but you have to have people around you to help you with that. People who've already done it, people who've gone through it, and people who are going through it. We need those people in our life. We need to be those people for others in their life. Are we willing to stand in the gap? And while there's so much more I could say, the last thing I want to say to you this morning on this is this very point. I've discovered the critical need for us to expand our circle when we're leading. Esther had to see that there was something going on outside of the palace gates that she could lean upon and have strength from. 
And there's this overwhelming sense in the movie when Winston is hearing nothing but the negative from those around him that was drawing him to the inevitable conclusion the only thing he could do was to ask for peace terms. Have you ever been in conversations with the same people over and over and over again and get trapped into their way of thinking as if you think that's the only reality that's possible? The scene in the movie, when he goes into the tube and begins to dialogue with regular Londoner people and hear of their resolve to be strong in the face of whatever adversity would come, but they were not going to surrender being British. Never! 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 gave him the resolve to go back in and lead. The truth is, we do not have any historical data that says that moment actually happened. But it is also historically accurate that Winston Churchill often did that through his reign as prime minister and throughout the war. So maybe it didn't happen that night. But he was a wise enough leader at times to go AWOL and pop up in all kinds of places in London. Just mingling with the people because he needed to remember truths that were beyond the circle around him. And sometimes we need to break out of the circle of conversation we're in to get a broader understanding of the world around us. To be enriched by other people's perspectives. To understand that the way I'm locked into thinking might not be the only way to think. If I could say anything to the leaders of our country right now, it would be, would you get out of Washington and go listen to people who are living on Main Street? And then go back and lead to reflect them. I'm sorry for this paid political announcement. But it's true for all sides of the circle. Christians, you need your Mordecais and you need your Clemmies, but you also need to reach out and talk to people who are different than you, who think different than you, to expose yourself to people who see the world different from you, so you can be an authentic, real, and genuine and effective Christian in the world, and not simply a closeted Christian who sees the world only about this distance from their face. There is no danger and exposing yourself to a broader circle when you know going into the circle whose you are and who you serve. I don't go into broader circles to define who I am, but I go into broader circles so I can live out who I am with respect and harmony with others. That's the mission of the church. There are all kinds of gaps that need to be filled in this world. Heroes and leadership is needed in almost every area of life. In our own community, we are struggling for leadership to step into gaps, to heal wounds, to listen, and to reflect grace. In our families, we can find it difficult to step up and be the heroes that our family needs for the long-term health, for the thriving of the family for generations to come. And so I invite you today to consider in your prayer life 
not whether or not one day you could be the hero of the Super Bowl, but that you could be the hero in the eyes of someone else who will remember years from now that moment when you did that which no one else was willing to do. When you were willing to share love, speak wisdom and truth, take the hits, do what was necessary. Today I invite you to come into a meal where the greatest hero of all stood in the gap. Where he had all kinds of pressure to go take the easy way. Don't go here. Lord, we won't let you do this. And he went to the cross. And he shared meal with his disciples and said, I'm going to do this. And I don't want to do it. There's a part of me which really doesn't want to have to do this, but I don't see any other way out. This is what God needs me to do. And because of the courage and his willingness to step into the gap, he went to the cross and gave us this meal so that one day you and I right now in Clarkston, Michigan, could gather together on a snowy February morning and take bread and take cup and come into the literal presence of Jesus Christ and offer ourselves as gap fillers in the world today. This is your invitation. This is your chance. This is our victory. In the name of the one who's made it all possible and who is speaking to you right now. In the name of Christ our Lord.